1: Hello, everyone. This is Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Beat, a RotoVist podcast. Each week, I am joined by an NFL Beat reporter, and we break down one of the biggest games on the NFL slate. On this week's show, my guest is Luke Jones, WNST.net. We'll be discussing the great Sunday night football battle between the Ravens and the Steelers, one of the best rivalries in the NFL. Luke and I are going to look at the key players and matchups that we think are going to decide the game. We'll talk about the Steelers' passing attack versus the Ravens' defense. Analyze the running back touches between Alex Collins and Buck Allen and compare the recent performances of Big Ben Rothersberger and Joe Flacco in these great divisional battles. After I talk with Luke, I'll take a few minutes to recap what we discussed and use some of the great RotoViz apps to dive deeper into the game. For those of you who don't know, RotoViz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a thousand articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Please go to RotoViz.com to check out the site and be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at RotoViz.com forward slash podcast. And you know, when you see these games and you get fired up for Sunday, it's always a little more exciting when you have something on the game. So people always ask me, where do I place my bets? What do I use? And the truth is I only use one site, and that's mybookie.ag. Remember, who you're betting with is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to use my bookie. I was on it last night, play some bets for the Thursday night games. Trust me, guys, they're the best this season, the best in the business. They have great reviews online. The mobile site is super easy to use. I wouldn't recommend this to you unless I've been using it myself. I use it for fantasy football, NFL bets, prop bets, college basketball as well. When you win, you get paid. there at my bookie. They have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is slammed with a ton of new betters. They want to give you the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, they're going to give you an additional $25 of free play on deposits over $100. Join now. My bookie is going to match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RotoViz that activates the offer. Visit MyBookie online. That's M Y B O O K I E. Don't forget the promo code RotoViz. When you create your account, you get up to $1,000 in free play based on your deposit. And if you're going to hold out after 7 p.m., you get that extra $25 of free play if you just add $25 to the end of it. So RotoViz25. It's up to you guys, but you put a bet on the game, get your little more fired up, adrenaline starts rushing. So take some money. Win win some money, take the wife out to dinner, you play, you win, you get paid at mybookie.ag. For this game, the Steelers are a three-point home favorite with the Steelers at a minus 110 money line. There's a rather high 51 point over under for two teams in the AFC North there, but some of these games have been high scoring, particularly the one last year, and Luke and I will talk about that as well. It's always a close game. It's a huge matchup, and right now in the AFC North, with the Browns winning their first game in a long, long time, as well as the Bengals off to a good start. All four teams are separated by just a half a game. So let's get to the interview now and hear what Luke has to say about the game. Please welcome to the show Luke Jones, who covers the Baltimore Ravens for WNST.net. You can follow him on Twitter at BaltimoreLuke. As always, Luke, thanks for taking the time to join me. You did a great job on our RV32 team preview series, and we're thrilled to have you back here in the Fantasy Football Beat.
2: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Always glad to talk to you and talk a little Ravens football.
1: Well, that was a nice win on Sunday, Luke. Ravens handled the Broncos 27-14. Broncos were 2-0 coming into the game. They shut them out for the last three quarters. You had a tough one in Week 2. You got behind early, so it was sort of a, a weird game script there. So I'm sure last week was a nice bounce back at home.
2: It was, and it was a much-needed win for this Ravens team. I mean, of course, they go to Pittsburgh on Sunday night facing their biggest rival, but this team plays four of its next five on the road. And if you look at the Ravens over the last three years, since their last playoff appearance, their road resume just it's not very impressive. So uh, yeah, they've they've won some road games, but you look at the list of quarterbacks, backups, guys who aren't in the league anymore. I mean, it's just uh, it's not overly impressive. So they needed this win. I don't think it's something that was overwhelmingly impressive, but they did what they needed to do against the Denver team that was two and zero. How good are the Broncos? I'm not convinced that they're a serious contender, but a nice win nonetheless entering a big stretch where they're going to be playing for the next five on the road.
1: Yeah, on Sunday night, we got Steelers-Ravens. That's the Hatfields and the McCoys Sunday night football in Pittsburgh. If you look at the last six games here between them, They've been 3-3. and The average margin of victory has been 5.1 points. If you take out that 26-9 victory by Pittsburgh last year, the average is 2.8 points. So it's always close between these two teams. Last game on December 10th was the highest scoring one in the rivalry. They had 77 total points. This game has added emphasis because all four teams in the AFC North are now separated by a half game. Browns have won a game. Bengals look very impressive. So a lot of juice heading into a rivalry that really doesn't need more, huh?
2: I mean this rivalry doesn't need any more juice but it's certainly there and for the Ravens there's a lot of urgency they haven't been to the playoffs since 2014 in that postseason they beat Pittsburgh uh, on the road uh, in pretty impressive fashion and these games are always close but I think the key for the Ravens is you need to get over the hump beating Pittsburgh once again on the road their last road win over Pittsburgh was 2015. Mike Vick was the quarterback for the Steelers at that time, of course, in his final NFL season. But you look at this division, I mean, the Ravens have already seen firsthand that Cincinnati looks to be more formidable than they've been the last couple years. Certainly uh, a lot of talented players on both sides of the ball for the Bengals. And the Browns, while I'm not ready to punch their ticket to the playoffs or anything crazy like that, Baker Mayfield makes them a different team, uh, and I think they're certainly more intriguing, and the Ravens go there next week. So there's plenty of urgency here to not fall behind in this division, and certainly if you're the Ravens, not not go to 0-2 in this division, where you're already putting yourself behind the eight ball in terms of trying to win this division, and you know, you're already starting to look at the possibility of having to go the wild-card route. So, There's plenty of urgency, and I think for all three of these teams, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Bengals, you look at Pittsburgh, no Le'Veon Bell, no Ryan Shazier. That defense is certainly unimpressive to this point, to say the least. I think there's a sense that the Steelers are far more vulnerable than they've been the last couple years, and I think there's a sense that all three of the other teams have at least taken a half-step or a a step forward. Now, that's more meaningful for the Ravens and Bengals, maybe not so for the Browns this year, but I I think there's a sense that this division is much closer and more competitive than it's been the last
1: couple years. And the Ravens are a little banged up right now, particularly on defense. They did get some good news. C.J. Mosley, Michael Pierce, Matthew Juden all returned to the practice field on Wednesday. Mosley and Pierce were out in Week 3. Juden got hurt late in the win over the Broncos. Uh, Titan Hayden Hurst also returned, which is good, but there were several players not practicing. Lamar Jackson, Brandon Carr, Eric Weddle, and Tyrell Suggs. So give us an update who we should and should not be worried about playing on Sunday.
2: Well, I think, I mean, some of the guys that you mentioned that returned, you still have to be uh, aware of C.J. Mosley and uncertain with him. I mean, he had a bone bruise in his left knee. Uh, that was a really scary injury on the first drive against Cincinnati in Week 2. So he practiced. he's practicing on a limited basis I think there's a good chance he's out there, but you have to see how he's feeling after a couple of days of practice. You know, Michael Pierce, uh, their defensive tackle, uh, who uh, is kind of their top reserve, but you know, he, he can step in there for Brandon Williams and do just as good of a job at the nose tackle spot. So he's important when it comes to stopping the run. You know, the names you mentioned of guys that didn't practice, Lamar Jackson's just dealing with an illness. I don't think there's any issue there and he's not exactly a huge part of what they do. He only plays a couple snaps a game on offense in kind of that wildcat, hybrid, whatever role you want to call it uh, when he's on the field. Eric Weddle just got a day off, so uh, he's fine. He wasn't listed with an injury on the injury report. Brandon Carr has never missed a game in his career, and he played every snap in Sunday's win over Denver. So I lean towards maybe not 100%, but I don't think there's concern with him missing the game Uh, on Sunday night, and Terrell Suggs, kind of the same with him, he finished the game on Sunday against the Broncos, they're banged up, I think there's certainly some concern that they're not going to be 100%, and specifically with Carr, knowing that the Ravens are already playing without Jimmy Smith in the secondary, that can be a concern, because you have Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster that you need to try to contain, so there's concern there as far as how effective he'll be, Uh, and the same thing with Suggs, but I don't think there's too much concern at this point about their availability. But, again, keep keep uh, monitoring the injury report as we get closer and closer to Sunday. You know, uh, if they are able to log at least a little bit of practice time this week, I'd say they'll be uh, good to go, at least in terms of playing, how effective that might be a little bit more of a
1: question. Yeah, Jimmy Smith serving the last of his four-game suspension for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. And that leads into my next question about the Steelers' offense. Ben Roethlisberger, over 300 passing yards and three TDs. He had those three TDs in the first half and the win at Tampa Bay last week. You mentioned no Le'Veon Bell, but the development of James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster really has this offense clicking, You know, with Antonio Brown, of course, being the future Hall of Famer. Ravens' defense is first in the NFL in yards allowed, only giving up an average of 273 yards per game. So talk about this matchup. No Jimmy Smith. How do you think you can try to slow down that Steelers passing attack?
2: Well, I I think it comes down to this. You have to be expecting Ben Roethlisberger to drop back and throw it 50, 55 times. I mean, the the one thing that does concern me about this Ravens defense, beyond Jimmy Smith not being on the field for one more game and and knowing the story with him as far as his inability to stay healthy and what impact that's had on their secondary, is the Ravens defense and the Ravens, their identity, going back to their – First couple seasons in Baltimore when Ray Lewis was just a young pup. They've been known for one thing more than anything else, and that's stopping the run. But go back and look at their numbers from about the final four games of 2016 uh, moving forward. Hasn't been a bad run defense, but it's been very middle of the pack, very mediocre compared to what their standard is. So first and foremost, you can't let James Conner run on you. I mean, if that's going to happen, then they're going to get smoked most likely because Ben's going to make plays in the passing game and they're going to be able to control the clock. So you have to make sure you contain the run first and foremost, and that's something they should be able to do because Connor isn't Le'Veon Bell. But in the case of the Steelers, and this is something that's commonplace at this point with Ben Roethlisberger playing in this league 15 years, but You have to be disciplined in the secondary. You can't get caught looking in the backfield and thinking that a play is over because you see uh, Roethlisberger being pressured when you see him being wrapped up even. You have to keep your eyes on your man, and the Ravens have had issues with that, uh, where Roethlisberger shakes free. He's done this to plenty of teams, but you have to be so disciplined, and that's one thing that Marlon Humphrey, their second-year cornerback, first-round pick a year ago, said uh, earlier in the week that you just have to You you cannot get comfortable uh, against this passing attack until the whistle blows, and that's something that teams, I think Tampa Bay, uh, fell prey to that a few times on Monday night. So uh, I think in the case of the Ravens, you you, you need to pressure Roethlisberger, uh, of course, but it has to be a disciplined kind of pressure where you keep him in the pocket, and uh, you have to to be disciplined in your coverage, and I think it's going to be interesting because the Ravens do have a new defensive coordinator in Wink Martindale. How does he choose to attack uh, this Raven or this Steelers passing attack? Got a uh, Dean Pease, their former coordinator, got a ton of criticism at the end of that game in December last year, where Brandon Carr was left on an island with Antonio Brown. But as you pointed out, Juju Smith-Schuster has better numbers than Brown so far this year. So I don't know if you have a match up. If you match up, I don't know if you try to play sides. Uh, I don't know. No, I mean, certainly you have to give Brown more attention, but. Uh, if you're not careful, Smith-Schuster will beat you, so it's not easy, and as, as well as this Ravens defense has played, and as good as the passing defense looks statistically, I expect Pittsburgh to be able to sh- score points on them, so uh, I think this one's going to profile much more similarly to the 39-38 game we saw in December in Heinz Field, more so than Kind of what you think of classic Raven Steelers, 13-10, something like that. I I don't think this is your father's Raven Steelers kind of rivalry, at least at this point in
1: time. No, I agree. On Sunday Night Football, I think there are going to be some points in this game. And you talked about Ben extending the play. That's the key. He gets out of the pocket. He extends the play. That's when the defense breaks down. So uh, those are real key points that, that I agree with you on. If you look at the Ravens' offense, uh, they're ninth in the league in passing yardage. Joe Flacco's been off to a real solid start. He has six touchdowns, completing 64% of his passes. Certainly looks healthy. Uh, after the injuries last year, you and I talked about that uh, coming in on the preview show. That was really the key, is he didn't get healthy till the end of the year. John Brown has really emerged as a go-to receiver. Of course, Crabtree is there, and Snead has popped a little bit. But John Brown has really stood out. Talk about this Ravens' passing game, and, and what do you attribute to the improvement from last year?
2: Well, I mean, part of it is what you just said. I mean, Flacco's healthier, and I even looked at that earlier this week. His last eight regular season games, so counting his last five games of last year, completing about 63% of his passes, 2,100 yards, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. Now, the yards per attempt could still be a little bit better. I don't want to say Flacco's been playing all-world football, but he's certainly playing much better, and he did that at the end of last year without many without much help, quite frankly, uh, in the passing game. But I think you just see more balance. There's more diversity in what they can do. Certainly John Brown has kind of been the uh, kind of leader in the clubhouse in terms of targets. Flacco's tried to throw the ball to him downfield a ton. They haven't hit on it a ton, but they've hit on it some. And they've been able to make plays, and certainly uh, defenses have had to respect John Brown's speed. And I think that's just helped. Uh, The middle of the field, the intermediate portion of the field, with Crabtree, with Willie Sneed. Perhaps the biggest surprise for their offense so far has been their third-round rookie tight end, Mark Andrews, who, uh, Mike, I'll be honest, I saw him in the summer. He was hurt when he did practice. He didn't really do anything. And I was wondering if this was going to be a guy that ended up being inactive on game day, quite frankly. Of course, Hayden Hurst, their first-round tight end, who is back at practice this week, we'll see how much practice time he needs if it's going to be practical for him to play this week. But Andrews has been a seam-beater for them. Uh, And as I mentioned with John Brown's speed, you have to respect him uh, over the top. It's opened up the middle of the field where Flacco's been able to hit Andrews down the seam for some 20, 25, 30-yard gains. So I just think there are multiple levels where this Ravens passing attack can uh, maybe not exploit you, but at least be productive. You know, I don't think this is a great passing game yet, but it is worlds better than it's been the last couple of years. And I think uh, it's all been clicking well. Uh, that Flacco's health, uh, the, having some more uh, you know diverse weapons, some more productive weapons, really at every level of the passing game. Uh, And I think you have to give Barney Morningwigs some credit, too. I've been critical of him. Uh, Lots of people in Baltimore have been critical of him. But if you're going to defend Joe Flacco in saying, well, he hasn't had a lot of great weapons around him, don't you have to give Morningwig a little more slack and say, well, he hasn't had a whole lot to work with, Uh, especially that Denver game this past Sunday. I thought they schemed up very well to try to offset Von Miller uh, and that Denver pass rush with what they did in terms of passes, in terms of moving Flacco around. So it's really been uh, an an all-encompassing explanation uh, for this Ravens passing game being better, and now the big key will be doing it on the road. They didn't play very well. Uh, They were horrible in the first half, really the first quarter and a half against Cincinnati in Week 2, and uh, they weren't able to recover. So the key will be taking that on the road. But I'll say this about Joe Flacco, even last year where he had a – uh, Jeremy Macklin, who was a shell of his former self, Mike Wallace, and not a whole lot else. Alex, Alex Collins running the ball, certainly. The Ravens were able to score 39 or 38 points in Pittsburgh in December. So if you look at it and say, well, they have better weapons, they should be able to be productive. But uh, as you know, in this rivalry, you can't read too much into the numbers other than just knowing it's going to be a close game. We don't know uh, how it's going to get to that point,
1: though. Yeah, and I remember you talking about the importance of those short to intermediate routes for Joe Flacco when we talked on the, on the preview show. And Andrew certainly has filled a nice void there for them and given him a, a solid outlet. You talked about the running game. Uh, here in the fantasy world, a lot of the conversation is debate between <laughs> Alex Collins and Buck Allen. If you just go on social media, it's all over. Uh, the Ravens have struggled a little bit on the ground. They rank 26 in total rushing yards. Alex Collins seems to profile like someone who could be an effective goal line back. But it, it appears that Buck Allen is the choice when they get close to that goal line. So break down the touch allocation as you see it sort of happening in this game. And why is Buck Allen being used at the goal line when it does appear, or at least profiles to, to an outsider, that Alex Collins should be sort of that first, second down and goal line back?
2: Yeah, it, it's tough. And believe me, I, I hear what you're saying, uh, and I don't disagree necessarily, but the, here's a couple things that I'll say about Buck Allen. At least this is how the Ravens coaching staff use him. Uh, they feel he's a, a, a better receiver than Alex Collins, at least in terms of catching the ball. Now we can certainly debate explosiveness, and I think you you would with the fact that Allen's averaging just over five yards per catch. I, think, I do think Buck Allen, and I, this is where I do agree with the coaching staff, he does have a knack for if you need a yard, he's going to get you a yard. If you need two yards, he's going to get you two yards. He has been... A pretty effective short yardage back going back to last year. Even though he doesn't really look the part, he doesn't look like Legarrette Blunt, right? I mean, he's not someone who's overly big, but he is bigger than Collins, and uh, he is someone that they trust in short yardage, and they trust him more in terms of ball security. What's been, what's really been complicating it for them, Mike, early on this season is week one. They came out and they threw the ball at will uh, against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo could not stop them. I don't blame them for continuing to throw and throw and throw. Week two, they fell behind very quickly by three touchdowns in Cincinnati. So anyone who knows and understands how this game is going to work, you're going to end up throwing the ball much more. And then week three, you know, they tried to establish Alex Collins early. He was okay early on. And... But that kind of was stagnant, and Flacco was throwing the ball really effectively against Denver, so they kind of went with that. So a lot of this has been the product of game situation, but from a fantasy perspective, they do have a lot of trust in Buck Allen, and hey, he averages two yards a carry. He's really good at getting two yards, what can I tell you? So I don't know how much of the touchdown distribution is going to improve, but I would think, and the Ravens need to get their running game going, you cannot continue to have Joe Flacco throwing 45, 50 times a game and expect that to to be sustainable. Very few quarterbacks can function like that. Maybe Roethlisberger, maybe Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Uh, Flacco has proven time and time again that he needs a little more balance to continue being consistent. So they need to get their running game going in general. I think if their offensive line uh, can get things going more than they have to this point, you're going to see Collins get more touches and you're going to see him be more productive. What that means at the goal line, that's a little that's a little hairier at this point. And I know it's really frustrating for fantasy owners, but uh, like I said, a lot of this is game situation. They think Buck Allen's better in pass protection. Collins, you know, that's a little bit more of a weakness for him. But uh, I'm with you, though. When I see uh, Allen out snapping uh, Alex Collins, I kind of scratch my head a little bit and, it's nothing against Buck Allen. I think he's fine for what he is, but he's very clearly a backup running back, and even if Collins doesn't have the frame, because keep in mind, he's about 205 pounds. You know, he's not a Zeke Elliott, he's not a Le'Veon Bell, he's not uh, a Fournette, he's not that big back, but so maybe he's not, you shouldn't expect him to carry 25 times, but I think he can be more involved, and certainly uh, he's more of a home run hitter in the backfield than Allen can be, so I'm, I've been mystified about it, but I, I do know this. The coaching staff really has a lot of faith in Buck Allen, and it's pretty evident by, by the snap distribution and the fact that he leads the team in touchdowns. In fact, I joked earlier this week, uh, I wrote it to you at net that Uh, You have to wonder if Buck Allen's on John Harbaugh's fantasy football team. That's for sure.
1: (laughs) That's that's a great point. And of course, Kenneth Dixon is out at least until later in the year on IR. So it it looks like they're both going to have a role. And you know, of of course, Luke John Harbaugh doesn't care about our fantasy team. So that's that's right. That's
2: right. Uh, He he cares about wins and losses, not uh, our wins and losses. Right.
1: Well, we appreciate a few minutes here. Uh, just one more question. I know you're very busy. It's time to put you on the spot. Big rivalry game, Sunday night in Pittsburgh. Ravens and Steelers. Going to be a classic. Who do you think comes out on top in week four?
2: You know what? I, I think this is this is going to be uh, which team is first to 30. Uh, and, and it might be a little bit higher than that. Maybe not 39, 38 like it was last December. But I expect there to be points scored in this game. And it comes down to this for me. Uh, and I did some research recently uh, after the Cincinnati loss, the Ravens have eight wins since they beat Pittsburgh in the 2014 postseason. Those eight wins have come against the following quarterbacks: Mike Vick, Blake Bortles, Andy Dalton once, they've also lost him three times on the road. E.J. Manuel, Brett Hundley, Josh McCown, and Deshaun Kaiser twice. The Ravens need to beat some. They need to beat some good quarterbacks on the road. And you don't apologize for your schedule. The, you're you're going to have guys that are injured and banged up, and you're going to be fortunate, and just as fortunate as they have maybe been from a scheduling standpoint and a, a opposing quarterback standpoint. They've had some injuries the last couple years, so it all you know kind of cancels out. But at the same time, you got to go on the road, and you can't just play close against Pittsburgh. You got to win a game. So uh, I think the pressure's on for them in that regard. Even though it is only week four, and it's not season-ending or season-defining, but. Teams missed the playoffs by one game the last couple of years. One play, really, the last couple of years. Uh, if you do a little more work early in the season, you, maybe it doesn't come down to one play. But until they prove it, you know, it's hard for me to to bet on them and, and against Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. So I'll go with Pittsburgh uh, in another one-possession game. And uh, the Steelers, though, will be the first team to get to 30. And uh, let's go with 31-27. How's that?
1: Uh, sounds great. Luke, we can't thank you enough. Folks, that's Luke Jones from WNST.net. Please follow him on Twitter. Great follow at BaltimoreLuke. We appreciate a few minutes here, and, and we're really looking forward to Sunday's game. So thanks. Best of luck on the rest of the season. Maybe we'll catch up later this year.
2: Sounds good, Mike. Thanks, uh, and enjoy the game Sunday night. Should be a good one, as it usually.
1: That was Luke Jones, beat reporter for the Baltimore Ravens for WNST.net. In just a moment, I'm going to dive deeper into what we discuss using some of the great apps on rotoviz.com. But I just wanted to give you a quick reminder that you can support the rotoviz radio network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you gain exclusive access to rotoviz live, which is our weekly Sunday morning video show where we answer all of your fantasy questions. The patronships start at just six dollars per month and provide exclusive access to rotoviz live. That's four shows per month on top of the 40 podcasts each month. That's right. 40 podcasts each month for just six dollars. Become a Road of His Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce the high-quality, industry-leading programming you have come to expect. Please remember, Road of His Radio on Patreon. We thank Luke Jones from WNST.net for joining us here to give us a preview of one of the best rivalries in the NFL, the Ravens and the Steelers. And to add to this, it's going to be a Sunday night game in Pittsburgh under the lights. Just going to be a fantastic AFC North battle. The question is, from a fantasy perspective, how is this game going to go? Like I said, these games tend to be close. The last six games have been separated, as I was telling Luke, by five points. And if you throw out the 26-9 to game last year, it's usually within two points, which is why the spread is three. It's a little low for me because I think Pittsburgh at home, particularly after the Tampa Bay game last week, seems to have the offense rolling. But it is three points because they always end up being very close. Now, no Jimmy Smith for this game. He's still suspended for the uh, personal conduct policy for the NFL. So he's out of this game. So they're going to have to slow down the wide receivers. And a lot of this starts with getting to Big Ben. Now, Looking at Roethlisberger, he played in five of those six games. He was out one with injury. But in the last five Raven games, it's very interesting. Four of the last five, he has thrown for less than 300 yards. He had the huge game last year, 44 of 66. He attempted 66 passes in that game last year for 506 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But if you look at his averages, both home and away... Over the last five games against the Ravens, it's interesting. He's 133 of 208. That's 64%. That's a strong completion percentage. But he averages 297 yards only. But that number is greatly skewed by the 506-yard game. So if you take that game out and the last four games besides that one that Roethlisberger has faced the Ravens, he's only averaging 244 passing yards per game. Now his touchdown average is 1.4 per game. That's also surprising. He threw two last year, only two in the 506-yard game. Then he had one, three, one, and zero. So only 1.4 passing touchdowns per contest. And if you take out that game last year, the 506 game, it's only one passing touchdown per game. I would be shocked if Ben Roethlisberger only has one passing touchdown in this game, but that's what the numbers tell us. As for interceptions, 1.2 per game. He's thrown zero last year, then one, two, one, and 2. So Roethlisberger's numbers are a little different against the Ravens. It's worth noting because Roethlisberger at home Nighttime in Pittsburgh usually does very well. But given that John Harbaugh has a familiarity and that the Ravens are playing very well, and even their pass defense has been strong without Jimmy Smith, it is tough for me to see him putting up a ton of touchdowns and passing yards. I can't see... Four touchdowns and 400 yards in this game against the Ravens. I really cannot. He's going to throw it a lot, but the Ravens know that they have to get pressure on him. So if you look at numbers, I was a little surprised to see that Roethlisberger wasn't a little bit better, especially in some of the home games. But he has yet to top 300 yards except for that one big game last year. Now, you heard Luke talk about how he expects this to be more of a high-scoring game, and I agree. I just don't know how much we can rely on Ben to have sort of a top four, top five fantasy QB performance. Next thing I want to look at are the running back touches for the Ravens, and this is certainly a source of discontent for fantasy owners, because Alex Collins, just by the eye test and looking at how he's performed, certainly seems to be a much better all-around running back and fantasy back than Javorius Allen. But if I go to the Game Level Similarity Projections app on RotoVis.com, this is a fantastic app that takes the running back that you select, which in this case is going to be Alex Collins, compares him to other similar running backs in in terms of their career performances and how they did against similarly ranked defensive opponents. If you take a look at Alex Collins, and this should be no surprise, the type of running backs he's compared to since 2000 is Brandon Bolden in 2013, Kyrie Robinson in 2015 in one of the games he played, Eddie Lacy, which is probably a favorable comparison, Rashad Jennings. Those are the type of players that Alex Collins reminds us of. However, if you're an Alex Collins owner, according to the GLSP app, the median PPR expectation is 13.1% fantasy points per game. So if you take all the running backs that are similar to Alex Collins in similar situations in road games against the same type of ranked defense that Pittsburgh has, Alex Collins' expected performance is 13.1 PPR fantasy points. His high end would be 19.8, and his low end, which would be brutal, is 4.1. Now, if you compare that to Javorius Allen, and this is shocking, the type of running backs that compare to Javorius Allen Julius Jones of the Cowboys, Fred Taylor, Kenneth Dixon, his own teammate in 2016, Chris Johnson in 2010, Richie Anderson, remember him, against the Patriots in 2001. Javorius Allen actually, according to the GLSP app, has a lower median of 8.8 compared to Alex Collins, but a higher high end of 21.6 and a higher low end of 5.3. So Javorius Allen, while on average, at the median value, is probably not going to perform as well as Alex Collins. He has more high-end potential, high-ceiling potential, and a higher floor potential because he catches those passes and he also gets the goal line carries. So if you own Alex Collins against the Ravens on Sunday night... I think you should consider other options. I don't think he's an automatic start. And I know that's difficult for fantasy owners because you drafted him in the third round or the fourth round. But if you look back on the stats here at Rodovez and look at some of these apps, it's hard to plug him in on the road, especially because he's not getting the goal line carries. I don't know why you would start a running back who doesn't get the goal line pick carries and isn't a third down pass catching back. Most of our leagues are PPR. I don't know why you would start him. And here's something that's even more interesting. If you look at the results year to date at this point, Javorius Allen is actually outproducing Alex Collins. Javorius Allen right now, and look at some of these names, you know, Kamara, Gurley, Gordon, those guys. If you look at Javorius Allen, he is an RB1 in PPR formats. That's right. He has 43 PPR fantasy points and he is the 12th best running back ahead of Marshawn Lynch and behind Matt Breida. Where does Alex Collins fall? Alex Collins ends up being the RB 25. So it's difficult. The Steelers are going to probably stuff the run a little bit. They did a good job against Tampa Bay. So unless Alex Collins gets more involved in that passing game, and it's difficult because Flacco has Willie Sneed, he has John Brown, he has Michael Crabtree, you heard that Andrews is doing a nice job at the tight end, and you heard that Hayden Hurst may be back. And if you look at all that together, it's difficult for me to project Alex Collins to have a strong game. So I would consider benching him. If you have Javorius Allen in a PPR format and you're really stuck, I think that's a decent start as well. And if you look at the receivers on Pittsburgh, let's take a look at the Steelers now. Pittsburgh has one of the best wide receiver, consolidated receiving games in all of the NFL, and we love that in fantasy football. It's Antonio Brown and it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Sure, I understand Jesse James and Vance McDonald with the stiff arm last week get some targets as well, but without Le'Veon Bell in there, it's Brown and it's Schuster. And if you go to the SNAP report, which gives us a nice look at the SNAP share and the SNAP percentages over a certain period of time on rotoviz.com, you can see it. Juju Smith-Schuster's snap share in the last four games, 94%, 91%, 92%. These are the type of performances that we're seeing from him. He's in there just as much as Antonio Brown. He's going to be fed the ball. Brown, of course, is going to be number one, and he's complained a little bit, so he's going to get some targets. But Juju is hitting those crossing routes, and he's a huge, huge target. I think both Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster are solid starts. Now, you're starting both of them, but it would not surprise me if Smith-Schuster outperformed Antonio Brown because the Ravens actually have a good pass defense. The statistics so far, they're top in, in passing yards allowed in the NFL and I think they'll come up with a plan and get pressure on Ben. So it's possible, if you're the Ravens, that you're going to concentrate on Antonio Brown and try to let Juju Smith-Schuster get his, and I think he is a solid wide receiver one for you this game as well, even though it's a tough Ravens team. On the flip side, when you're looking at the Ravens, John Brown has been deadly. He's been a guy that certainly has gotten open. Crabtree looks to be more involved. I think eventually Crabtree's going to pop, and I think he's a guy that you can definitely consider starting, and, of course, Snead gets the work underneath. So if you made me rank them, I am still have to put Brown first because he's had such a connection with Flacco. Crabtree's a close second and Snead is a distant third. So we head into week four to this rivalry game. I am going to take the Steelers at home. I agree with Luke. I think the Ravens are going to play well, but I am going to take the Steelers. I'm going to give the three points. While it can be a close game, I think that's too little to give on a Sunday night in Pittsburgh, so I like that as well. And for the over-under being 51 points, I think this game follows a very similar path to what the Falcons and the Saints did in that rivalry game last week. Probably early on there's a feeling out process, and it's not going to be high scoring right away. But once we hit a certain point, the defenses are going to get tired. The pressure is going to be there from Ben and the passing game, and Flacco is going to start hitting some things as well. And I will take the over on this game over fifty-one. Also, so give me the Steelers, the minus three, and the over fifty-one. This is going to be the highlight game of the week in Week Four. Please continue us to stay with us here on Rotoviz. Please make sure to rate and review Rotoviz Radio on your favorite podcast app, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. We're going to continue next week, bringing you another great game. We'll have a beat reporter in, and then of course the fantasy analysis as well. That's going to do it this week for the Fantasy Football Beat Report. I'm Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Beat, a Rotoviz podcast. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotobizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoViz.com forward slash podcast.